and welcome to the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel powered by InsideTexas.com. I'm your host tonight, Joe Cook. We got Justin Wells, Eric Nolene, in place of uh, the birthday boy, Ian Boyd, we got Paul Wadlington. And uh, your, your present from, from Colorado to Michigan is a, an appearance on our live stream tonight, live stream tonight Paul. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'll try to say Ian like comments and do Ian stuff. <laughs> There's it's a lot o'clock where you Ian's mean? at right now on his birthday night. So yeah. that's so anything Eric has said before does not register now about that situation that could be occurring. We're no, not I'm, I'm glad we hit our quota for Michigan men on the podcast because I know uh, you've got your big affinity for Harbaugh. But we'll get into some Texas football topics tonight. We got coaches on the road. 2025 targets emerging. We'll talk about spring portal needs. And of course, we will get to some of y'all's questions. But first off, coaches on the road. I feel like that's a big one, especially now that there's a brand new hire. Uh, Kenny Baker was announced uh, by the program as a Texas defensive line coach. And uh, Eric, one of the, the first stops that Kenny Baker made in, a, in an official capacity uh, was to go check out Landon Rink at Cy Fair. Um, I, we think it's the first one. It's the first one we learned of. And you even caught up a little bit with Rink about uh, what it was like to meet Baker. Yeah, he, he liked he liked his first uh, meeting with them. Uh, said he came across genuine, was uh, well-informed about his game, told him how he fit, how he saw him. He sees him as a two-eye and out, uh, which is pretty obvious. That's what he plays now. Um, talked about his size a little bit. He was at Texas a couple weeks ago. They got him at 285 pounds. He's up to about six two and a half. And I'm not really surprised to see all these offers coming in. Ohio State's treating them like a, uh, a priority. He picked up Michigan today, picked up LSU and Florida last week. I think, um, you know, a lot of times a legacy kind of uh, flies under the radar with fans. They just expect him to be in the class. And, you know, we've seen that happen a few times where it didn't work out that way. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. He seems wide open right now. I think, I think Texas has quite a bit of work to do. He'll make a decision in the summertime, and there's a long way to go. I think Kenny Baker got it off to a good start, though, uh, yesterday. Justin, you talked to Brandon Brown, who's a 2025 commit out of O'Galley High School in Florida, and he hadn't met him yet, but that was uh, it seemed like that was going to be one of Baker's first calls and one of the first calls that, that Brown expected uh, once he was able to get on the road and get officially announced. Yeah, that was the big thing there because, you know, the first question I think a lot of Texas fans asked when Bo Davis left was, what's going to happen to these guys that are already committed? And Brandon Brown is, is a straight up dog that's a guy you want in this class you want when you're headed into the sec and you want to develop a guy from that region as well like that he, he's he's the trifecta the big thing with brandon though was he's eager to meet coach baker he's eager to, to talk to him and get to know him but he wanted to he was adamant that it was more of a school decision rather than a individual position coach and 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 we hear that sometimes sometimes that's the you know part of it sometimes it's not but I, I just found it interesting that a lot of people just assumed Brandon Brown was just going to start looking around uh, as soon as Bo Davis left but that wasn't the case he said look they're about to have two defensive tackles probably drafted in the first round in April like that Texas will get me where I need to go and so he's like yeah I, I'm in I'm in with coach Sark they, they sent three guys over there to Florida to, to go see him. And, and now since black's official, I, I think that should calm a few fears on, on Brown assigning in the next 11 months. Hey, I got to, I talked to a guy in the deep Southeast today that uh, has given me a lot of information over years past. And it's kind of crazy how plugged in it. He tells me a lot of stuff I can never really share, but on Brandon Brown, he said that, you know, I've heard he's solid with you guys, you guys being Texas. Uh, he's a good player. He was a little taller. Everyone would have him as a five-star. So he's saying he's solid, uh, really aligns with what Justin just said about it being a school issue and not necessarily that was not somebody that just committed to Bo Davis and was going to decommit because Bo, Bo Davis left. And Justin, you and I talked about him in Monday's uh, recruiting Intel episode. And we made it pretty clear that we're a fan of his, but Paul, you know, you, you pay attention to the pro game pretty closely. I know you, you follow one NFC East team and maybe not an AFC East team, but uh, even though it went, you know, Fangio and I think the defensive line coach and then uh, Kenny Baker, he still has a lot of you, – you always talk about traits, and it seems like he has traits not only from being in a uh, system that's, you know, spreading throughout college and pros, but if you look at Chattanooga, I think um, Atlanta, Huntsville, and Montgomery, 
he's coached at several colleges that are right in the middle of there, which helped him in a lot of different for what he's about to be doing as a, as a college recruiter for UT. Yeah, he knows those roads. And I think the familiarity with Georgia is particularly timely. Um, I actually just wrote an article in Inside Texas where basically I was discussing the fact that Georgia is the emergent NFL talent state. Um, since 2016, so the NFL is a set number of players, right? The, the total number doesn't expand. We're, we're at 32 teams. Roster sizes are, are consistent. Georgia is net plus 54 NFL players since 2016. No other state is up more than four or five. That's crazy. So it's basically all Atlanta, right? Well, I mean, actually, there's little small towns in Georgia that pump out a bunch of guys as well. Uh, But yeah, Atlanta is like, you know, it's like a Dallas equivalent sort of, you know, just you have you have the inner city and then you've got these suburb programs that are well resourced and you've got everything in between. So you have this interesting explosion. And we haven't seen anything like that at a state level since Florida in the 1980s. I mean, you know, it's always been the big three, right? Florida, Texas, California. And now there's a big four, and that's the first yeah. time that's ever happened. You know, one of the uh, the guys who helps recruit Georgia a lot is Tashard Choice. And he obviously was at Georgia Tech. He was at USC for about a week and a half before Sark plucked him. And he was had a lot of key recruitments that he uh, is, is started and helped with in the southeast. And kind of looking through Justin where he's traveled, he went and stopped by Rome, Georgia, another one of those kind of small towns, Paul, you were talking about with, with Jaden Harmon uh, to see him. And it looks like today he was seeing another linebacker, went by McKinney High to see uh, Riley Pettijohn, at least according to the, uh, I believe, the head coach over at McKinney on Twitter. So, you know, that that's someone where uh, Justin uh, Tashard Choice helps coast to coast, but just more examples of him being so valuable on the road and being able to see so many different areas he's familiar with. With with Tashar Choice, I think we're seeing him evolve from just a really good position coach recruiter to a overall recruiter. Maybe we're seeing more of of, of him growing in this role because he there's something about him that resonates with 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 players, with parents, and with coaches. They they he's a very confident guy. But I think we can see why he closes most of the deals he starts. He builds these relationships over years and years, and he and he doesn't relent. And then you've got the the, the testimony of Bijan Robinson and Rashawn Johnson and Jonathan Brooks who talk up, you know, talk him up. That's what kids want to hear. That's what kids want to know. He's young. He's energetic. Um, I think he's the total package. And I think now you're just seeing, you know, he's really good at recruiting running backs and coaching them up and being detail oriented, but why don't you put those tentacles out a little bit more? Because you do have a, a, a niche to it. You do have a, a way that's very honest and very sincere and very genuine. You know, with Ricky Stewart Jr., like Ricky was emotional when Short Choice came into the field house. Like he and Coach Reardon, Jeff Reardon at Chapel Hill told me, you know, you don't see that side of Ricky. And so I think Choice is just developing as, as an overall coach, you know, being able to use his talents wisely. You know he's got he's got authority to offer guys. They they're definitely giving him uh, plenty of latitude. Um, you know, and you're a running back coach. You should be a volume recruiter because he's yeah. really got his guys locked up a year in advance, pretty much. He's he's only recruiting a handful of guys compared to offensive line, defensive line coaches in the secondary. So he should be branching out. Uh, but he's got a lot of authority and, and a lot of latitude with uh, with Sark on, as far as, as far as offering guys and, and who to pursue. And he's always hustling and, and forwarding names. Hey, I was at this school. This guy looks good. You guys need to eval him. Uh, so he's he's everything you're looking for in a recruiter, especially at running back. Eric, uh, Steve Sarkeesian was named to the East-West Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame today, along with Steve Smith. And they made a couple jokes like, aren't you a BYU guy? Aren't you a, a YouTube or a Utah guy? Um, and Sark <laughs> even told a story about how he threw a pick six to a defensive tackle in an all-star game. But as soon as they left the star, I believe he made a couple stops around DFW. I, I You know, since he was already up there, I, I tend to – have a feeling that he may have gone with Tashard Choice to go see McKinney, but uh, one place we do know he went by, he got a picture, is at Saxe, uh, where the Duvernays went, and uh, it's home of Kalik Lockett right now. Yeah, Lockett's got probably the best ball skills in the state, um, not just hands, but going up and getting it. Uh, body control is fantastic, 
Uh, long speed looks pretty good. Maybe not elite, but he's, he's elite in other regards. It's such a stacked wide receiver class. Uh, they're looking in-state. They're looking out-of-state. They've got to save room for DeCorey and more. They, they might only take three. Uh, we know Sark prioritizes speed. Kelshawn Johnson's down there in Hitchcock. He's in the he's in the conversation. Marcus Harris is out at or, uh, uh, modern day. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting how wide receiver plays out. But it was good to see them go by Lockett. Lockett's been kind of quit, uh, quiet on the recruiting trail. He's the guy that we've got to get to know better on inside Texas. But, again, those ball skills make for very entertaining uh, huddle to watch if you, if you get a few minutes. I've actually got – I've caught up with Lockett a, cu- a couple times in the last couple months. Like, he loves Texas. And the thing is, you know, that offer, I think, was really big for him. But he has been on the road a lot taking visits ever since January. And he's going to USC this weekend. And he had Ryan Day in Ohio State come by and, and see him. And so his profile is slowly blowing up. And he is yeah, yeah, the, the promise of a, of a possession receiver. That's that that's he is incredible hands. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting because, like Eric said, you know, I think Sark puts an onus on speed. And Kalik's not in that upper tier of speed guys. You know, he makes it happen. He make, He's productive. He gets it done. But I think that in and of itself is going to be the deter, like where he goes wise. Guys, they've, they've been on the road, and they also sent out some uh, pretty intriguing offers. Uh, and, Eric, there's one today that I think caught everybody's eye. You, you even posted on Inside Texas about numbers at, at certain positions. Uh, there's a lot more details on who they're looking at and, uh, where they, you know, might be looking regionally, uh, but one of the uh, big ones uh, was made in in Florida today to uh, Myron Charles, I believe his name was, and you wanted to, uh, you, you you liked what you saw when you saw his film. Yeah, he blew he blew me away. I mean, that's exactly what you're hoping to find, and that's why you're in that region, that part of the country recruiting. He's, you know, six five two sixty. Uh, I, you know, some, some networks have him like in the one fifties, one seventies. I don't know what the hell they're looking at. He's giant and he moves extremely well. Uh, only problem is I hear that it's probably, you know, Miami first and then Florida state after that. Uh, but, but a guy that that's talented is going to, the market's going to crack, uh, catch up to him. And if that becomes the NIL thing, then, you know, maybe Texas can squeeze their way into that conversation, but that's exactly what you're looking for, uh, when you recruit that area. We got a lot of intel on recruiting, just coaches on the road. They still got, what, probably two or so weeks, depending on what the calendar is. We'll have all that over on InsideTexas.com. But we got to get to at least a couple of questions. And, uh, Eric, you like this one from Jonathan Retkoff. Uh, If Stark were to leave for an NFL job tomorrow and Chris Del Conte wanted to promote somebody already on staff, who would be the top three candidates? Well, I would just go with Jeff Banks as head coach because then you don't have to do anything with your coordinators. Uh, and you know your team is never going to lack for energy out there on Saturdays. So, I mean, that one's pretty easy to me. I think I think Banks actually has a chance to be a good head coach. And then he's also got a very good vision when it comes to recruiting. He's extremely aggressive. So that would be the number one guy. I would have him jump flood. Sorry about that, Kyle. Uh, PK, I don't think, has any interest in being a head coach. So Banks would be the guy i go with. Paul, what about you? None. I mean, you know, not a knock. I mean, if, if you're trying to evaluate future leadership potential or something like that on the staff, then I, I get the question. If you're actually taking this seriously, like a Sharon Moore situation. No, 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 no. That, I, I was no, not it's, it's, seriously. It's for, it's oh, for okay. some Eagles. All right. Well, it'd be Kyle Flood's the easiest. He'd be the guy that could immediately step into the role. And he's he's been a head coach. Um, you know, so I, I think I – even indulging the hypothetical makes me sad because I'm not an inter- I'm not an interim coach guy and I'm not a like he bled for UT he's been on the staff for this long I mean I think we have another major sport we're experiencing some issues uh, with that sort of thinking so uh, yeah I, I think I just go flood but that's probably the easy answer hey, you know Banks the Rutgers yeah Jeff Banks was my first like that was the first name that popped in my head and I like Eric's idea that you don't have to change coordinators you don't have to mess with much stuff. Uh, but don't be – I'm hoping Kyle Flood's name doesn't pop up for Boston College. Uh, you know, their head coach, Jeff Halfley, just took the D.C. job. At I've, seen it, I've seen it circulating. Some scribe, uh, you know, hinted at it or, or put out one of those fake lists that they do. Yeah, I know it was a fake list because he had Todd Monken on there as well. Uh, he might as well just have Bill Belichick on because he wouldn't have to change houses. Uh, but <laughs> Why, why would Kyle Flood – I mean, do you know the reason Halfley's leaving Boston College? Because he's yeah, tired of he the hates coaching college. No, he doesn't want to do 
They're not getting any NIL resources. They have no resources. They don't have a strong alumni commitment. So when a coach is leaving a job to go take a defensive coordinator job in the NFL, for those reasons, I don't think Kyle Flood suddenly like perking up saying, Ooh, this is my shot. So. Yeah. He's already, he already tried that at Rutgers. Yeah. He's, he's not into it. And actually, you know, Chiano's doing a good job at Rutgers, but yeah. 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 Flood, Flood, Flood has the demeanor of a head coach. I mean, if you've heard him talk for extended periods, uh, but when you say you don't have to make any coordinator changes, Sark's in the NFL. What do you mean? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, what the, he's saying in three days. So I mean, what if if he was taking a job tomorrow? We're talking about emergency <laughs> battlefield decisions here, Paul. We're not talking about having all this time to, to come up with something. What would you do at OC? Y'all are who's forgetting somebody. Hey, make, uh, make AJ Milwee, 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 and Flood will kill it. Y'all are forgetting somebody, and I'm Eric, not. This is this is a decade long. Uh, courtship that's finally going to come to fruition. Paul Christ is still on staff. Oh, oh. <laughs> there you go. You could, look, you could look to the analyst score. Um, what man, what if Gary Patterson were still an analyst? Hey, that oh, would be there would be nobody politicking harder than GP. Yeah. Uh, he would be um, He'd be hilarious if something like that happened, kind of in the same vein. And I saw this from Chris Bennett. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian was at the East West Shrine Bowl today, and in that little ceremony, we'll have some stuff from inside. We'll have some stuff from that on Inside Texas. He said Sark said he's trying to be like Mac and DKR. Does he get there like DKR? He won his first conference championship in his third season at Texas. Chris, that's a tough question. Yeah, does he become the best head coach at Texas of all time? Uh, that's that's a tough thing to answer. But Paul, I mean, you you like traits and. Uh, offensive innovation is a trait that both DKR and, and Sark kind of seem to have. Do the, are there other aspects you think that uh, help might help them at least get to that? I don't want to say like that level to where they're going to rename the stadium, but get to like a similar mountaintop, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Sark was the innovator and the head coach. D- DKR was the managerial head coach, right, who brought in Emily Burlard and, and was willing to have this revolutionary offense at the time installed and – and of course, you know, the rest is history, but he also won a national title before that happened. Remember, that was a yeah, that was an attempt at a rejuvenation uh, when things had gotten actually a little stale. So uh, I hope Sark doesn't have a three year period like DK, DKR where he's going six and four and things get stale. But I guess if you end up with two national titles immediately after it, it might be worth it. Uh, like, I mean, look, he's in his third year. This book is still getting written. I think he's got high potential. Uh, the hope is that he is at DKR level. Uh, Mac was incredible for a decade and then not incredible. So uh, I just look, I, I think we always want to jump the gun on all the stuff and like anoint people. And that's kind of been the problem at Texas. So let's just the thing that's been most impressive to me about Sark was is not the offensive innovation per se. It's all the other stuff in the program that I was kind of concerned about or I thought might be a question mark for him. And I think he seems to get it. So I'm pretty excited about him when he has some distance and he actually has the off season to work on the program. Uh, I think that's when he's at his best. I think um, we talked about this uh, with you and I did a, a couple shows ago to where USC and Heritage Hall, they have, you know, their noses tipped up just as much as people think Texas has their noses tipped up. And they gave him the keys after that point, after rebuilding Washington. So those traits about program management were there. And you've talked about how the personal stuff was a was a confluence of things. It wasn't all, you know, it, it, there's it was a confluence of things, I guess, to put it that way. But a lot of those traits that where he was able to run the program, get a good first year after Lane Kiffin got tarmacked and uh, have, you know, a, what was a fantastic recruiting class on the way for him. Uh, that freshman year at 2015, like there were traits there. And that's why, again, I always go back to this. You talk about traits and he had those program traits, but now he has like the personal traits too, that I think kind of indicate a little bit more, uh, a higher ceiling, I guess, if you want to say. Yeah. It's about ceilings. Paul told me earlier today, he's the ceiling. I had to correct him. I'm the floor (laughs) apparently. Uh, Yeah. I mean, look, I think it's there. But he needs like he needs to do it. So we do a lot of this like, 
you know, it's almost like recruiting mind of like, you know, every, Oh, I, you know, how is he going to win seven national titles or five? Right. I mean, like, let's, let's go do it. He took an incredible and necessary step this year. He had Texas win the big 12 and something Mac Brown struggled to do, frankly, with some incredibly elite teams. And he brought Texas to a four, the 14, the last four team college football playoff. So my expectation now, and I think a reasonable expectation for Texas fans, is that we're going to the playoffs. That's, that's the goal every year. And uh, that's a hell of a place to be three years into his, his takeover. But yeah. the next step, he's got to go do, do it. And, you know, the fact is, you mentioned Harbaugh earlier. He was the guy until a few weeks ago. He was the choker in the playoffs. And before he was the choke guy in the playoffs, he was the guy who couldn't beat Ohio State. And, he, and Michigan, you know, was was good and rebuilt, but couldn't quite get there. He he solved the Ohio State issue. He, then he solved the playoff issue. And then he solved the national title issue. So each time coaches get to a certain point, they're going to fall. Everyone's going to have their naysayers. And then he's got to keep progressing it. And Sark has made an incredible step. Now the progression is just make the playoffs every year. And then when it's your year, it'll happen. Who could forget Clemsoning, right? Same thing, same principle. And it's I mean, the same thing applied to Texas. So it's, it's a process. Um, I, think, I think Sark has really good time with this culture, though. With, with Not the culture of the team, but like the culture and the mindset of the players. He really does a good job of connecting these guys when I think some of these older guys are going to age out or even some of the younger guys are going to age out. Like, you know, does anybody think Dabo's ever going to reach the mountaintop again? It would take some significant changes on Dabo's part to, to, to reach the heights he's re- reached already. Uh, but, I, you know, I was talking to people today about about Sark. They think that he's got a perfect handle on the mindset of the the modern athlete tied to NIL. So he understands that NIL is going to be a motivation, but he also, also understands if they recruit the wrong guys, uh, they're going to be motivated for solely for that purpose. Uh, so you need to find the right, the right players with the right balance of mindset uh, and, and making sure that NIL isn't going to go to their head. And it's not the real payday. The real payday is, you know, coming here, working hard, developing, getting drafted and getting your second contract. So I think he's got a good grasp on the on the the time capsule that we're in right now. Paul, there was a the question about some of the details of what you had mentioned. Is that plus 54 from Georgia high school guys or from guys from all over going to Georgia? It's from guys who went to high school in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And Georgia's Bennett has benefited some. Um, to to uh, maybe not as much as they a lot of people think they should have, but who can argue with two national titles? But uh, there's probably some recruiting people, whether around Georgia, who think they don't recruit the Georgia high schools enough. Yes, there, there's a stigma. Yes. So so, yeah. so this could this could lead into something else. How does Texas in the middle of te- in the how does the University of Texas in the middle of the state of Texas? either avoid that or do they just keep trying to recruit to the heights to where it's not an issue, you're winning titles, whatever. Anybody want to tackle that one? I mean, I think it was part of Mac's downfall that he didn't branch out out of state more. There was some times where he was just so focused on keeping it, the high school coaches happy. I think that was part of the end, the beginning of the end for him. So I, I, I think you just have Sark has figured out just get the best players. Get the best 25 you can get in this group. Get the absolute best 25. It don't make a damn where they play. If they're close to home in Dallas or Houston, that helps. If there are a bunch of guys in the Metroplex that grew up together over the last couple classes and have now been re-recruiting each other to Austin, even better. But I think Mac showed you that you have to make the guys happy in, in, in Texas high school football. But if you try to make them too happy, you wind up not getting talent. You wind up actually bringing in – less subpar guys like he did in those last few classes. And then that's where you saw, like I said, the beginning to the end. I think one of the things that that reminds me of is I went to a coaching clinic in a DFW um, right after signing day in, in 2019 and Herman, Tom Herman and some of his staff uh, were speaking. It was at, what's it called? Choctaw stadium now. And he's telling all these coaches, I signed, 23 of 25 from my from your ranks and the only other one was Bijan Robinson or, or something like that and while that was all well and good we've all kind of seen how that 2019 class panned out and uh, let's just go ahead and say it was terrible so there's you, you have to pick the right ones I, I think that's the the lesson here as long as you pick the right ones 
it you can you can still make the Texas high school coaches happy. You can still go and get your guys from around the country. Uh, but as long as you pick the the right ones, uh, that's that's what matters most. Did I get a binder? Uh, no, uh, he was. I, I mean, there's he was surprised to see me. He's like, "What are you doing here?" It's like, "Well, kind of want to learn how y'all operate." So it was interesting. Jeff Trailer was there. I think there were some North Texas people there. Uh, so uh, hey, they were trying, uh, but it didn't all work out. I found one other question. There's a bunch of good questions in the chat right now. Sonny V asked the Brockermeyer twins, what the heck happened there? One still at Alabama and the other to TCU. So Tommy, higher ranked one, went to Alabama. James, the center, uh, also went to Alabama with them. I think Tommy had a lingering shoulder issue the whole time. And Eric, he decided he wanted to get closer to home in, in Fort Worth. Yep. Uh, I don't know what the situation with James is. Well, you know, his, his dad, uh, Blake, worked uh, for Dykes at SMU and viewed Sonny Dykes as, you know, you know quite fondly. So I think if uh, he wanted Blake or uh, uh, Tommy to get another shot, he felt like Sonny would be the guy to, to give it to him. But, yeah, he's had lingering issues really dating back to his senior year in high school, uh, maybe the offseason of his junior year, actually. And yet, uh, James is, you know, out there grinding it out, you know, sticking to it. I'm glad that he didn't just decide to come home with his brother. That would have been the easy path. Uh, but yeah, it's unfortunate. Tommy's an incredibly talented player. Uh, you know, what happened with him at Texas was Tom Herman. You know, they didn't, they didn't believe in Tom Herman and they were right not to. That was a fun article to write. And uh, I used the term fun in a very loose way. Uh, Jeff Grimes. This one's interesting. This one popped up today. Uh, the NCAA is going after Tennessee. Uh, with NIL things, presumably about the Nico Amaliva uh, $8 million payment upshot of the Tennessee UVA lawsuit. How soon will football be out from being under the NCAA umbrella? Paul, it's kind of when the, the school when the schools decide because you know no matter how much they fight, they choose to be a part of the NCAA. And I think what until either there's federal I think there's three options, federal legislation, the courts basically killing the NCAA and any power they have, or the schools is finally breaking off and making their own football championship. Hiring a commissioner. No, we don't. I don't think we need that. Yeah, who's the are they going to be under? That's the question. Look, I mean, the, the fundamental issue that's going on right now is this is right to work. And the NCAA is going to lose all these lawsuits. Yeah, um, they're trying to they're trying to delay right now. So you can't tell people that they have restrictions on their work and then also tell them that they're not employees. By the way, you also need to be very careful about making them employees. Yep. Because I mean, I, the people who just say just make them employees, I can tell you've never managed anyone <laughs> like in a state with right. laws that protect employees. Uh, sometimes to an, an absurd degree. I mean, non-performing employees. I'm talking about California. I mean, it, it would be the end of major programs, I think, if, if you make them pure employees and you get labor lawyers involved. And, yep. you know, football inherently, you don't treat your employees all that great all the time. And then you also have NFL-related – I mean, the NFL prints money. I mean, it's incredible if you ever look at NFL ratings and just how they dwarf – and college football is massive, but the NFL just it's college football is a little brother in that relationship. The NFL is paying out hundreds of millions, potentially billions of dollars in future medical yes. for injuries. So think about colleges. So can can Texas foot that bill? Maybe. Can Texas Tech? Right. Can Baylor? Can can Boston College? No. I mean here's the other thing can but not not don't only think about baylor can mary harden baylor like i know it's d3 i know it's a little bit different calculus but it's going to trickle down at some point and maybe okay maybe d3 is not the the way to approach that but like what about Dude, north dakota D. state you know <laughs> north dakota state's still a, a name that people if you pay attention to college football recognize when does it get to the fcs level like it, it's i know we're concerned but it's going to be something that the whole NCAA one through three divisions is going to have to figure out, but at least kind of pertaining to Jeff Grimes question about the, the lawsuit, basically it's, it's, they're suing about interstate commerce, right. And, and interstate commerce and right to work for the most part with their, them trying to find legal footing. 
Yeah, and it's also related to the Sherman Antitrust Act. I mean, we're not lawyers and we'll get ourselves in trouble pretty quickly. The, the My casual reading of it is the NCAA is going to lose. It just yeah. you can't have simultaneous filings that we restrict their right to work, but also they're not our employee. It just, it's not going to work that way. I, I can't treat my 1099 employees that way, right? Uh, and, you know, it's just, it doesn't work that way. The other factor is getting out from under the NCAA. The, the question then is for what? Uh, so football pays all the bills. Mm -hmm. So remember Title IX, be careful what you wish for. If, if you separate out football from the universities and it's only sort of the nominal and you have just the insignia on the helmet, but they're in their own, they're in their own effect, effectively semi-pro league or, or junior league to the NFL. Uh, are they now obligated to kick into the university and pay for all the other sports? I mean, it's, it's going to be very interesting. And I think at a certain point, you're probably going to get some sort of congressional or, or Washington DC interference and, and, uh, or solution, uh, Generally speaking, uh, I tend to not find a lot of solutions in Washington D.C. for my life. So no, there's a there, there, it's a slippery slope for sure. And then you know you, you kill the golden goose. All those guys in, it, that go G two, G three, you know they're or you know they get um, tuition paid for in the Ivy leagues. Most of those guys don't think they're going to play in the NFL. They're going for an education. So that's a lot of scholarships you're going to kill. Um, so I think people really need to be careful what they wish for. Everybody thinks about the high profile athletes that, that's being taken advantage of, quote unquote. Uh, there's a lot of people that use it for academic purposes. And like Paul said, there's a, it's not just football scholarships that are funded through it. There's, you know, sports, all, all female sports, every sport other than basketball, pretty much. And maybe maybe baseball offsets itself, maybe. At uh, Texas, it does. Nowhere yeah, else. But Four yeah, programs. Yeah. LSU, Texas, maybe. That's right. it. So I, you, you got to really worry about killing, killing the golden goose here. Well, that's a lot to unpack, but there's some other good stuff to unpack. Switching directions here. Justin, I'll throw this your way. Will Christian Jones get drafted? He looked really good in senior bowl practice. I think we all kind of agree on the, that answer, but I think if you saw, you were talking about seeing some clips before we started airing uh, from Christian Jones and Tavondre Sweat at the senior bowl, and uh, they're throwing their weight around a little bit. Yeah, with, with Christian, I don't think it's will he get was it ever going to be was he going to get drafted? I think it's where is he going to get drafted? And that's really the conversation with him. And, and after this week, if I mean, this is the week to climb <laughs> this in the combine are the two times you get the, these guys get a real opportunity to climb up these charts with real data that they can show. He's been impressive. And I can't say I'm surprised. Obviously, and, and you, you wrote about it earlier at InsideTexas.com. Please come check it out and give you know let us earn your business. Um, you, you talked about it earlier about how Tavondre Sweat and Byron or Tavondre Sweat rather looks you know incredible. But it's true. Like Christian Jones is, I think he's in, in the day two conversation now. I mean, he might be creeping up to that top 100 list. And and to me, that's. I thought it would probably be a fourth, fifth, sixth rounder, honestly, by the end of the season. But like we're seeing, you know, tackles, they'll they'll make a run on them. And once they do, they're going to fly off the board. And Christian Jones, you know, if you can find an offensive tackle with that length and with that ability and with that mindset and he's mature, he, he took that extra year. Christian Jones is making some money this week, guys. That, that's for sure. And I think in addition to – I think he's showing he can play tackle – um, I'm going to be curious to see if they deploy him at guard this week and what he looks like because he's got the skill sets to where in an NFL where you need three-plus pass protectors on your line, kind of three tackles, he could be a great third tackle but playing inside, and you know he's going to be fine uh, run blocking. Like he's got long arms. He's got the 6'5 frame. You see why Texas kind of took a chance on someone perceived as a three-star soccer player who played defensive tackle. Uh, before he flipped to the offensive side of the ball. So he's definitely earning his keep. I saw him had some uh, good reps against, I think, even Chris Braswell. Uh, had some Probably had some good reps against him in, in Alabama uh, in week two as well. So um, kind of stinks that Byron Murphy's not participating. Uh, Jalen Ford, Jordan Whittington, I don't think they're uh, involved this week, even though they had invites. Uh, but it's, it's going to be another uh, opportunity. I think Jim Nagy and the Senior Bowl always likes – the Longhorns they get. And uh, this time we're talking about draft picks and not undrafted free agents. 
Um, Eric, I think I saw that Tavondre Sweat did not weigh in at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I like yeah, not to do that. Um, I, Paul, I know you, or Paul and Eric, I know y'all coined the the term the, the unit of measurement Coburn That's last Paul. year. He's Paul. probably above yeah. one Coburn now. Uh, but what have you? That's seen? just good aging. Team. What have you seen from uh, Tavondre Sweat? Um, and do you see him creeping into the top 32? Because he's drawing a lot of praise this week and enough to seem like that's a possibility. Well, I think he already should be in the first round. As long as they feel like he's going to work, you know, that not weighing in is going to bring out that question mark a little bit more to the forefront. But, you know, if you watch his, his one-on-one reps today, he's winning with power, which we know he can do. But he's also, he's also winning with quickness. Uh, he swam a guy today. Uh, it, Bo Limmer got the best of him on one rep maybe yesterday, and then he absolutely killed Bo Limmer today. And Bo's a good player at Arkansas Center. Uh, I just think I just think he's just a massive guy that can move his feet. Uh, he's going to stop the run at a minimum. He's going to be a good run stopper, but I think he adds a little bit as far as uh, creating some uh, disruption in, in the in the backfield as well. Uh, so I, you know, those guys are very uncommon. I think somebody's going to take him in the first round. He's getting shooting up draft boards, and then Byron Murphy is shooting up draft boards. Paul, are you a little surprised that maybe Murphy is being more well regarded than than Sweat? No, for for the reasons that Eric talked about, right? Uh, Byron Murphy's very mature, incredibly hardworking. Th- th- there's no question he's going to show up training camp in perfect shape, right? He's going to run every rep. He's going to do everything that's asked. The upside of Devondre Sweat, though, for an NFL defense and the, the current culture of the NFL and how they play defense is what are the minimum number of guys that I can play the run with so I can stop the pass you know, in its game where the, the quarterbacks are amazing, the receivers are amazing, and the passing game rules and the officials all favor the offense. So can you get a guy up there that can play two gaps? You know, and if you can get a couple of those guys, and Texas, by the way, really benefited, obviously, from Murphy and Sweat last year. If you can get one of those guys in Devondre Sweat, man, you could just build out your defense so well, and, and you can – dedicate more to the, the pass and, and really still stay pretty sound against the run, right? Murphy offers the opportunity to not only anchor pretty well, not like Tavondre, but he's a disruptor. I mean, he's a penetrator. He causes problems. Uh, you've heard Aaron Donald thrown around. I think that's that's Genuine. high praise. That's also getting a little yeah. excited. You know, you're getting out of your skis over a little bit, but you don't bring up that name unless you have an immense respect. And, and frankly, I don't think people fully appreciate how much more disruptive Byron Murphy could have been had we played in, in him in a slightly different system where he was allowed to take gaps and really penetrate and attack on every down. So I'm not shocked. I mean, just like Christian Jones, Byron Murphy's going to nail his interviews. Very mature, yeah. very serious about football, very serious about life, about changing his family tree. Uh, these are guys that the NFL, they like to draft those guys. You know, that's, that's they, they like to draft a certain mindset along with that, you know, the incredible physical traits that, that Byron has. He, he diagnoses so well, which is part of what Paul says about being prepared. And he, but he showed up to Texas like that. That's why our, our early practice reports on those guys are so important. You know, we'll know well in advance of how good these guys are going to be. You know, even someone like Baron Sorrell, who I thought, you know, a lot of people thought was an afterthought. We knew he was going to be good because of the way he comes into work works every day. Uh, Trevor Goosby is another one that we hear about. So when everybody's worried about, you know, the future of left tackle after Kelvin Banks, sure, there's going to be a drop off. But Goosby's going to be a lot better than people realize just because of how hard he works. So Murphy, the early word on him was good and he, he just got better. Now, you know, I was surprised that he didn't have more people coming after him in high school. You know, I saw him uh, going into his senior year, thought he looked absolutely fantastic. And, you know, things started to take off. I think he got a little bit taller, too. I think that helped. He was 5'11 for a long while that I knew him. Probably about six one, or maybe six one. Remember, Shamar Turner kind of overshadowed him in the because they were together, yeah. and, and you know Shamar was the five star, I think, or perceived five star. Yeah, Shamar looked like a dream, but man, you watch him practice, and you know and I remember, thinking, like I remember thinking they're both in the mm-hmm. NFL. They're both NFL players. And don't forget with Byron too, and he has been climbing. Like I honestly thought he was going to start getting dinged for his length. If there was one weakness, one thing that they were going to hold against him was yeah. his length, and. Talking to a couple of people this week, that does not seem to be the case right now. Now, give it a few more months. But the two most important things about Byron Murphy, one, he had he arrived in Austin with an associate's degree. He already had an associate's before he ever enrolled at Texas. Two, he's the second youngest player 
in the draft. He will be 20 years old in six months in late April. And so I think those things, I get in a, a better pit bull like a Moby Okoye type, you know, that young, young guy that you can mold that'll hit that second contract yeah. by the time he's 24 years old. Byron Murphy's got it going on. And I, I hear the Kansas City Chiefs are giant fans. Be fun to see. I, I remember Paul. seeing him at state state championship game after his freshman year. Sorry to cut you off there, Joe. But I was, you know, you talk about it, him lacking height. I recognized him from very far away by his width. He was wearing a white shirt and he was this it's a freaking wall. wide. He's a wall. Yeah. I mean, so he's taking up a lot of space, even if he's not super tall. Yeah. Paul, we got Michael My Business saying color picks in next year's magazines. You had color pictures in uh, thinking Texas po- football uh, from from Will Gallagher. So I guess one quick question. When does when does the prep for that get going? So we don't have color pictures. It's black and white. Uh, it's a self-published on Amazon. If I did color pictures, and Will Gallagher is amazing. Um, you guys need to go check him out at Gallagher Studios. He doesn't just do Texas stuff. He does other stuff, which is awesome. He's the best. Uh, really? Thanks. Thanks uh the thing about the the prohibitive <laughs> I don't know what Justin's doing over there. Uh the, the Will cost, he's the best. He, he is the best. The color pictures are cost prohibitive. So I'd have to charge that, for the Will Gallagher photo. He's the best. Okay, hey, Paul, what about an opportunity with uh, Sports Illustrated going away with the swimsuit issue? I, I was actually gonna try to get even fatter women in, in my <laughs> issue, and uh I was told that the camera lens couldn't encompass them. So I'm going back to the drawing board, fellas. But, yeah, I'll see what I, I come up with. You got one more, uh, I think, good senior bowl. And thank you, Michael, my business. Uh, Jeff Moe, Jay Witt hurt himself by not participating. Once again, hurt doesn't look good. What do you all think? I, I don't know that he's hurt because um, I don't know that Jalen Ford's hurt. Apparently, Byron Murphy had a you know a late-season injury that he was letting get healthy before he, you know I guess, goes to the combine. Um, I think Je- Jordan Winnington, he, he does have to participate probably more than some of these guys who are going to have first round grades, but he's going to be able to show whenever he gets his opportunity, you know, that that's the thing. As long as you have it once, whether it's at a pro day at the combine at this event, as long as you put it out once, it's better than putting it out. Not at all. So you better, if you're Jordan Winnington, I think you got to hope, uh, that he is able to go at, at pro day. Cause I don't know if a combine invite may be in his future either. And he's a guy who right now undrafted free agent, right? Yeah, he's not going to get drafted. He's going to be awarded undrafted free agent. He'll be a guy that actually people contact and, and pay yes. him a little signing bonus to come to yes. camp. And then what he needs to do, look, I, you probably, it, it hurts the ego, but you probably in certain situations, particularly as a wide receiver, you'd probably rather be an undrafted free agent choosing where you go rather than being drafted, you know, the, you know, the third, the third to last pick of the draft and, you know, ending up in Chicago and you're not quite sure, you know, what your future is and all that. It's easier to sort of sit back and say, Hey, who needs receiver help? Hey, what, what fits their, what my skills, do they fit their system? Do the coach and I sort of see things eye to eye? Uh, Whittington is another guy, you know, not to beat this drum, but part of big part of the reason the success of this team very mature, very serious about football, handles this business. The NFL is going to like that. The problem with that wide receivers, dime a dozen. There's, there's a lot of very talented wide receivers. So you're trying to find fit, system, uh, connection, and, and that's really the way he's going to make an NFL roster. I think they're going to find a lot of upside in him as a special teamer. I mean, this guy probably, you know, I think he regrets to this day that he didn't play safety. He's got that, and he's, you know he's got the tenacity. Uh, he's got that straight line speed that you see a lot of on coverage teams. Uh, so I think, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if he gets drafted in the sixth or seventh, uh, just because he's going to, he's going to interview well, as Paul said, he's going to time better than people realize. Um, and then he's got a lot of tape showing how physical he is. Hey, to that point, Keelan Robinson, purely off of special teams, being a gunner, you know, there are teams in the NFL, which basically turn last cuts over to the special teams coach. And he'll say, you're not cutting my gunner. Yeah. Like, you guys need to figure yeah. out the defensive tackle and this this running back from Division Two who turned your heads. You guys figure that out. You know, these are four special teamers I'm claiming for my unit to make it work. And most head coaches respect that. So 
Keelan's got a, a good shot of getting it on the NFL, even if it's undrafted. This will this will perk up uh, Justin's ears, but Chris Boyd's on a roster on the Texans, on a playoff te- team. He did play, I think, a little bit of corner in the in the late season, but it's because he can play special teams, and he he was drafted late, so his contract's cheap. I mean, Brendan Schooler was selected. I think the the, the player vote was an All Pro, yeah. something like that. Adrian Phillips and in Texas players, I remember asking them this year. They know that that's a path. Like they know that if they show out on special teams, if they put that effort forth, they get the schematics, they do the right things, that there's a path to a paycheck in the NFL for playing special teams. And there's not just a ton of there's not a ton of roster spots for that because they're only 53, uh, but there's still an opportunity there. And maybe Texas had the precursor with uh, uh, Adrian Phillips uh, way back when hey, becoming an Don't forget about yeah. Schooler. Schooler, Schooler, with he the mentioned Schooler. He, he's mentioned, yeah. on the Pro Bowl, <laughs> but still, there's there's a path, and I think that was manifested for the Longhorns this year. And guys like Trey Wisner, Jelani McDonald, uh, and Leongo Lafau. Um, one more thing, Justin, I did want to ask you about a new 2025 target emerging. Maybe not exactly a new one, but one that's uh, is back on the market, and that's uh, Ricky Stewart, who today uh, uh, decommitted. From SMU, four-star running back made a trip to Texas for the junior day. And uh, he you've talked about how emotional uh, even a, an offer from the Longhorns has made Ricky Stewart uh, in, in recent weeks. Where is uh, where's that one look right now? And what are some other 2025 guys you've seen kind of pop on the radar in recent weeks? Yeah, he decommitted today. It was a matter of time. Got to rip off the Band-Aid. He had to do it. Don't blame him. Um, He's back on the market, and 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 I think Texas is the prime spot right now. He wants to take some official visits. That being said, I don't think he gets to that time. I think this recruitment's going to take. I don't think it's going to last that long. Um, they were at Baylor with him and Demetrius Brisbane were there last weekend. He's got a really good relationship with the running back coach there. The new one there, Keenan Hall, who came over from SMU, um, really good uh, young coach. Um, Brisbane flipped from SMU to, to Baylor today. And so they're, they're, they're going to push, but like, like, like Ricky and, and all the people around him have said, the Texas offer was the difference maker. And, and he understands too, you can't sit on that offer. It's committable, which, you know, choice is going to take two guys. And he, when he gets his two, he's, he's done. He, he, he's pretty, pretty, he's got a pretty hard boundary there on that kind of thing. And so Ricky understands the position he's in. He understands that he's going to have to make a decision and he wants to wait till the official visits, but I don't think it lasts that long. Um, Man, there's a number of guys. I felt like in the last two weeks, we've seen so many new 2025s and I think it's mainly out of state because that's where a lot of the coaches have been. And that's where I think you see a lot of the new offers. They know a lot of the 2025s in this state already, but it's, it's going out of state and finding guys. Look at Major Preston. This is a kid out of Virginia, and he's at the IMG Academy. Go watch his tape. That kid's never been ranked. I don't get that. That kid has 25 major D1 offers. He doesn't have a star by his name. And he's at IMG. It's, it, it's, it's, it's funny. The tape is, is 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 it's blistering, and he's already talked to Jordan Johnson Rebel about Austin and about taking a visit. I believe we, we might have reported that earlier today uh, at InsideTexas.com. Come see us; it's a great time. Um, I think that was on the on, on the intel that we talked about. Eric even talked about Jaden Har- uh, Harmon, linebacker out of Georgia. They 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 made some hay there in the last few days. Uh, you know, you don't just have choice now; you have Baker. You got some other guys that are really familiar with that area, and so. Uh, to, 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 to Paul's point, you know, Georgia's got talent that, that it's in abundance right now. And so I think we're, we're seeing some guys from that area, obviously, uh, coming up. And so to me, I, you know, this is kind of a boring, this could be boring for fans right now because Sark doesn't push. He plays the long game with a lot of these guys. The fact that Lacey's already in the boat doesn't surprise us. He's a quarterback guy, but that Lance Jackson's already jumped in Brandon Brown, uh, uh, yeah, Amari Winston, those guys at the end of the day, you know, it, you, you kind of look for spots like today. I liked knowing that Riley Pettijohn, you know, went, he, he got to see Texas today. He was also donning a, a Texas hoodie and he didn't know the horns were coming. I, you know, there's little things, Kalik Lockett, you know, Sark went by to see him. 
And, and that's a guy we talked about earlier, incredible hands, incredible space, great possession guy. Um, I think you're going to see more guys pop up. And we've got a question over here talking about, you know, Stewart, the next commit. I, I don't know, David Rawls. I'm not sure if Stewart's going to be the next commit. Cause like I said, Sark doesn't push guys. He, for, for the most part, he plays the long game, but they're maximizing this, this, this travel right now. I feel like we are looking at film of new guys every single day at inside Texas. And that makes it fun because it keeps us on our toes. There's, there's just guys we're finding all over the place. And that's like Sark going out of state. That's Sark stretching yeah. his wings at this moment. That brand is about as big as you as you need, as, you know, away from a national championship. So I guarantee, I guarantee what they're going to do after all this travel is they're going to reset their big board. Yep. Uh, for the spring, they'll get more guys in visiting. Who visits them is going to be a show of how interested they are in Texas. Then they'll have okay. May uh, to to go out and get on the road again and evaluate them, and then they're going to set their big board for where it really matters: June official visits. Yep. And that's when we'll have a really good idea of who they're going to push for, and then by July, if we're doing our job like normal. Uh, you won't be surprised by too many of the commitments. We already know that Marcus Harris, Andre Risen 2.0, without TLC, he's already set for a visit the last weekend in June. And so I, I think the modern-day pipeline is going to continue, Eric. I, I think it looks good. If the, if the modern-day Andre Risen did have TLC, when he goes to the burnt orange house, we might be worried about it getting burned down, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. He's Yeah, <laughs> don't. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Didn't she, didn't she? Isn't she the one that passed away? She was. A she was in a car wreck in Brazil. Bra yeah, yes. no, I don't think it was Brazil, but it was somewhere down there, somewhere in South America. Yeah, yeah. there's not good. There's not. There's no. There's no good roads down T there. T-Boss -Bos, -Bos was pretty hot too. Lisa was crazy. Chili, chili wasn't bad. Uh, T-Boss, <laughs> Lisa, chili. No, no left eye. Lisa was first. Because well, she's number one in the hot crazy ma matrix, right? That guy that did yes. that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's she was but, bad. She was also, you know, my <laughs> my grandfather used to say, the hotter they are, the crazier they are. Oh yeah. So we saw that burnt house full circle. Yeah. She wasn't too proud to beg for some fuel. We don't know. <laughs> we might have done something too. You never know. You know, right. I guarantee it. It's Earl like the Earl Thomas crazy. situation where the the wife found him by his phone. The phone, he found him and his brother with that female. Woo! That phone, this phone will get you guys. That's a lesson. Yeah, tell ask, ask Mel Tucker. Guys, if you got an $8 million contract, invest in a burner phone. It's 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 a good investment. Uh, you know we're Every on a college coach has a burner. Everyone. You know we're on a show with two recruiting guys because they want to rank everything, right? They're ranking CLC. <laughs> we're doing the Spice Girls next week. Y'all, y'all come join us. I want the one Eddie Murphy was with. And Eddie then the one that's married to David Beckham. She Eddie, was Eddie, Murphy, Eddie Murphy was with the dude. Or was that he, no. Eddie Murphy? Oh, guys that got caught with dudes. Huge, uh, not Hugh Jackman. He, um, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant, Hugh Hugh best Grant. Night. Hugh Grant, Eddie Murphy. I don't know. Let's get to this question here. Think, uh, can we keep taking two running backs every class? Of course. That's the rule. choice has pull right now. That's competition in the room. Keep Don't be surprised one. with three next class, though. Don't be surprised. Keep, keep the best one coming. Oh man, that went uh that went a lot of different places. Mel Tucker needs to invest in better decision making, first off. But uh that 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 um you know, keep taking two running backs every class. I, I think Justin, that seems to be to shard choices preference, but uh we can kind of dovetail this into the very last thing we kind of plan to talk about. And not necessarily how it's a spring portal need, but just how their portal may affect Texas this spring. We're not going to speculate on names, but you can just look at rooms and see crowded rooms and think, you know, logically, yeah, okay, you know, there may be some guys who try to go get a instant opportunity, and there's not anybody we, we are hearing of or can can or even mention as being part of that in the uh, the running back room, but still, Justin, like. Numbers are going to catch up, and there's still only one ball. Yes, and and I think that's why you saw Trey Wisner so good in special teams this last year. I think that's why you saw development tremendous jump for Jaden Blue. Like they're they're, they're I think Ch Choice's mo is to just put the best ones in there and let the cream rise to the top. Let them compete at, at any way at any level. He wants two every cycle. I would not be shocked if they looked at three in 2026, because the, the depth of talent at running back in state is ridiculous 
2026, and it begins and ends with Forney's Javion Osborne. Um, the O line room, that's that that's the that's the one that has probably too many bodies. Uh, you know, they all when they started building this massive tomb of of giant humans, you know, you 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 could play those early freshmen and you could sell them on that time. And then the next group was, hey, you're gonna develop behind these guys. Well. Some of those guys, they 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 are not getting the turns they want. I think that's what you're going to see in the spring. So, I hope uh, it's not a tomb. That'd be that'd be. I think that would disqualify Kyle Fudd from uh, being a head coach. Um, although it's not disqualified DJ Durkin from catching more jobs. Oh, uh, Brian Kelly. Yeah, Brian Kelly killed somebody. Yeah, <laughs> Brian Kelly. Oh yeah, you want to lay low for a while. Yeah. 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 Don't, hey, um, Marvin Harrison Jr. Let me tell you something. Anybody that writes something negative about that guy, I pity. If you're a if you're a draft guy and you write something negative about Marvin Harrison Jr., man, you better lay low. That was probably, that was probably the most bizarre athlete getting in trouble. I, I was Marvin never said anything throughout his entire career. He's you know always saw him side by side with all those other uh, Colts who were quite milk toast, and then he's he's shooting caps at people. That was crazy. This is a good one. Uh, TW scare you. 262 150. Think blue could go to the NFL after next year? Yeah, he could. Season, yeah. I wonder what type of stats do you think it would need he would need to to make that jump? Like probably it's 750 traits. and Thousands. 500? It's Thousands. traits, not stats. It's traits. So you can get there, you know, 800 800 uh here's what I got to do math. 125 carries, at, you know, oh, 6 God. yards a carry, six and a half. I mean, how many big runs does he break off? How many how many catches does he uh, passes does he catch out of the backfield? Um, he's going to see as be seen as a mismatch guy, and he's you know if he comes in a little heavier and stronger, yeah, he's going to blow up. I think he's gone after next year because I think that's kind of how he's wired as well. Which is there's nothing wrong with it. Um, you'll get paid while you can. So I, I think they're you know and then Baxter will be gone after that. The year after, the, but the stat the stats are evidence of the traits though. So if he gets to eight hundred and five hundred. You know, that means they're making him a focal point, which is thousand, thousand, crazy. or he's not going to the league. It's pretty simple. Oh man, I think this is one more good one, Paul. I think you'd like this one. Uh, maybe the the one to end on as well. Who are our top future draft picks for next draft and the year after? So uh, let's just stick to the twenty twenty five draft at this one. I think there are two that probably comes to everybody's mind. That's Kelvin Banks. And that's going to be Quinn Ewers. If Quinn Ewers has a good year, then he's probably going to jump and quarterbacks are valued. So for the 2025 draft, do you have a third big player option that uh, would fit at that position? I mean, uh, you're going to have Makuba. You're going to have Jedi Barron, right? You're going to have Alfred Collins. Alfred Collins. I mean, there's a lot of – That's a potential look, a guy. Is, yeah. Look, if you'd ask this question at this exact same time last year – Right, we would be like, well, Tavondre Sweat, he could work his way into the draft. Yeah, he could be if he really has a good year and puts it together, he could be a fourth rounder. Right? Yeah. If I was asking you, what's Byron Murphy going to be a year ago at this time? Your honest answer would have been like, oh, he'll get drafted. He's you know he's like a fourth or fifth rounder, right? So again, we're always trying to. It's like the Sark question. We're always trying to get way ahead of ourselves. These guys have to develop. Like it has to happen. And it's got to happen on the field. It's got to happen off the field. They they have to grow into their bodies. They have to get serious. I mean, Devontae Sweat got really good in football because he got serious about football, right? Uh, so the, the answer is not easy. I mean, could majors be a late-round draft pick? Uh, maybe. I would think so. Uh, that's potential. Sorrell is going to get drafted. But, again, we're saying if we ask you right now, what's Sorrell going to be drafted? Uh, fifth round, Right. Who's to say Sorrell doesn't freaking turn it on? The light comes on. The guy has 11 sacks next year, and he's in. The, he's going in the second round. I mean, we don't know. If if we knew, we wouldn't. We wouldn't even like. What's the point of all this, right? What's the point of development and recruiting and and all that kind of stuff? So I I, I love the question, but the point is, in a healthy program, you should actually be startled all the time by guys developing in the off season and then emerging and, and kicking ass. Forgetting Isaiah Bond too. And that's kind of the crazy thing about the portals. You forget oh, about yeah. um, Isaiah that. Bond, Amari Nyblack, even Trey Moore. Uh, Hunter Hill will get drafted, I think, or he'll be in the conversation. 
So that, 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 like you said, it speaks to a healthy program. It, it speaks to the talent. Heck, there could be, you know, other offensive linemen. What if DJ Campbell has another good year? Is Ernie he Martin can make a huge jump because that guy has quickness off the ball that is not too common at his size. He still has some, you know, flaws. I like this one. Auburn in the first round of the Raiders. If he yeah, runs a 4 1, he might. That's what they grade on. But, uh, Seabass hey. isn't walking through that door. So oh, gosh. man. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Of course you do the, the Northern Europeans, right? Because he was Polish, right? I yeah, know that. I don't know what that has to do with being Swedish, but. <laughs> Nor- I said Northern Europeans. Yeah. I know that's not Scandinavia, but I try to lump a whole continent. Well, that's uh, Poland is in Poland is in Central Europe, Joe. I'm, right. I'm going to send you an atlas after this. Oh, man. I used to have a – anyway. I think that about uh, does it for us tonight, though. Paul, Justin, Ian, Paul, Justin, Eric, thank you so much for for joining us. Happy birthday to Ian. Obviously, hope he's enjoying it. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. Make sure you head to InsideTexas.com for all the great coverage, recruiting, football, basketball, baseball, draft season. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now's the time to get involved. Get one month for one dollar. We we'll, can't wait to see y'all over there. Let us know that this. Brought y'all over there, and uh, we will see you next time on the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel powered by InsideTexas.com. Don't go chasing waterfalls.